This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Grab a cup of coffee, and, and as well, if you want to grab a grab your Bible and follow along, you know you're more than welcome to do that as well. So, we ready to get started here? Great again to have you here at New Church Live. And, t- and today what we're looking at is the whole concept of laughter. And, and I want to start out just with a simple question, and it's, it's one like, do you think that you really laugh enough? Do you think that you really laugh enough? I saw a, a conversation on a clergy website, and they were wondering, does, does God ever smile? Does, does, does Christ, uh, you know, where's the humor? Where's, is, was, was he a fun guy? I, I actually think there's a lot of humor in the Bible. There's a lot of smiling. There's a lot of laughter. Now, we miss it because, you know, historically we miss some of the references that would have been very funny to people back at that time. But I think that idea of laughing is really important. And I think that idea of learning to laugh again is really critical. If your religion leaves you feeling sour, if your religion leaves you feeling sour and feeling like you have a frown, odds are I think you have have some sort of leak in your religion. You have something in there that just isn't quite working. And because when, when religion works, it should fill with joy. And that joy, you know, joy is kind of beyond circumstances, even in difficult times. I've known people who have a spiritual life, and they kind of have a a bedrock joy, a bedrock way of laughing, even in difficult circumstances. Not laughing in some dismissive way, but it's this deep inner joy and trust, I think, that can really grow. Now, Now, to sort of get us smiling, I want to share with you a picture. This picture is from 5 a.m. One of our new parents sent this beautiful picture in. Oh, excuse me, that's my text number there. Again, this is the first time, my apologies. That's the text number there. If you want to text me during the service, 215-740, lean back here, 3662. That's 215-740-3662. So I want to start with the smile of a, of a picture. That is at 5 a.m., and I can hear you laughing right now. Uh, a 5 a.m. picture, and just imagine, like a grumpy parent, you wake up, uh, and then you go into the bedroom, and there she is, ready to play. And I think for those of us who've, who've taken care of children or who have children of our own, we all know moments like that, where it's like, there's that bigger picture, and, and what we can do is just simply smile. But then we get those other things, too, where, where the challenges become, like, how do we keep on smiling, even in times that are rather difficult? And this is one I thought that was pretty funny. This one's in honor of my sister. Uh, you know, here's, here's one. I don't know if you can read the bottom here. It says, Bat Mom. And then the Bat message is, your sister got another promotion. And <laughs> that kind of bring the opposite. Like, oh my goodness, not again. Where the smile sort of, sort of goes away and we lose our ability to laugh. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about ways we can learn to laugh again, and let's take a look at the Bible. Let's take a look at stories that might just help us start to to experience laughter in a new way. As we experience laughter in a new way, it's important to start out by saying that the Bible story we're going to look at comes from Genesis. It's about, about the naming of a son, Isaac, and they actually name him. The name actually means he laughs. And it goes back, you know, to sort of trace it back. 
the, in the new church, you know, the way we hold the Bible is we hold it as real poetical, poetic truth. So the story I'm going to be looking at here, I'm not going through with like a fine-tooth comb saying, yeah, this was the fact of exactly what happened. It's not the way the Bible's necessarily written. It was written in a time where they weren't worried about capturing exact history. They wrote very poetically. And, and that, that poetic truth is, is something that New Church holds very important, that, that that inner message is actually more important than just the letters on the page, but that the two somehow wind together in beautiful, very, very powerful ways. And this is our story. So our story starts with this couple. And not literally this couple. This was a fun picture that I saw. It's a couple, Abraham and his wife, Sarah. They were far, far up there in years. And for decades, they had been unable to have a child. So what they did was, was they were able to have a surrogate child by, at that time, you know, people, unfortunately, they owned slaves. By, by, by one of their slaves, they were able to have a surrogate child. That child, child's name was Ishmael, was Ishmael. And Ishmael was the firstborn. But, but we have to remember that, that in this culture, um, not having a, a, a child, like so much of culture was patrilineal, you know, it was was as the father's line came down, and you were supposed to have sort of this unbroken sequence. And it, it wasn't just that not having a kid was, was just what some people did, or that it was okay in the way that it is today. And lots of couples decide not to have kids, or can't have kids, or adopt. That's not a big deal today at all. But back then, that was quite a big deal, because everything was so allied and aligned around blood family relationship, much more so in allegiance that way than to government or, or to other things that we might find significant today. So it was a very different kind of, of, of family structure. Now, Ishmael, again, was the firstborn. The story has some tragic twists and turns to it with his life, which I'm not going to go into uh, necessarily, because I want to talk about what this means what this means from that deeper poetic sense. Think of Ishmael and, and think of Ishmael as, as, as a sort of a, a first blooming in our mind, a, a firstborn of sorts. We start to come alive to spiritual things. And that's again, it's like looking at it more deeply. You think of that firstborn part, that firstborn spiritual peace in our lives. And it plays a lot of good roles, that Ishmael part. I, you know, I think, and I don't know whether this is always true, I imagine there are some firstborns out there watching us now. There are those of us who are troubled middle, middle children, uh, you know, who are thinking about the role of the firstborn in a family. And, uh, you know, the, the firstborn oftentimes is, is the family member who kind of like rides herd on things. They're they're the, the organizers. They're, um, they're the warriors often. Not all the time. Again, I, I know some of you are going like, well, that's not me, and that's fine. It's, it's just what can tend to happen sometimes with firstborns. So a firstborn part, that firstborn does have a lot of things that, that sort of where life begins, and they're good things. You know, kind of where we begin. Where we begin, it's, it's, it's that first part. It's our individual version of law and order. That's a good, that's a good thing. Individual version of law and order. That's, that's an important 
part of life. And, and you think about, you know, when you're younger, how much it sort of annoys you when one of your siblings doesn't play by the rules. Just in a simple game, how annoying that is. And that's sort of that Ishmael part of us. It's like, you're not obeying the rules. And, and can kind of get a little annoyed by it. An important part. It's the first place where we use our freedom. That first place where we use our freedom. So it's where we sort of like start to start to feel our oath, so to speak. We, we understand the rules. Uh, we kind of can exist within them. And, and we can feel that first blush of freedom. It's very much an individual freedom, though. It's very much about me needing to do what I need to do. Me needing to do what I need to do. Good part, and obviously taken too far, it has challenges. Taken too far, it clearly is going to have some challenges. Oh, sorry, I forgot that last part. And the last part, the sense of self. It's where we develop our first real sense of exactly who we are. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing bad with that. It gives us sort of this, this container and base, as it were, that we can start to grow down deeper and deeper into. These are all good things. When you look at this, folks, in, in, in real in-depth new church uh, perspective, we call this sort of a first rational and, and you look at the word rational, that word sounds like, oh my goodness, that's a, you know, that's a, <laughs> it's a pretty dry word. But when you look at how we hold that, how New Church holds that, look at the root of it. Look at the word ratio. And so those of you who've been in New Church life where I've heard me say this a number of times, I think it's important to come back to it for our first time attendees. The rational mind, New Church perspective on the rational mind, it's, it's, it's about seeing ratios. It's about seeing the most significant ratio we can which is a relationship of our natural life to our spiritual life. Our natural life to spiritual life. How do the two go together? What's the ratio? What's the menu? What are the ingredients? How do we pull these things together? The Bible is this story of how that wrestling takes place. My natural life, my spiritual life, how do I want them to go together? At this point, the Ishmael Rationals, when, is when, in this weird way, we have sort of a... Um, an immature, what I'm going to call immature certainty, important, but an immature certainty of exactly how those two fit. Like, again, we, we know the rules. We're sure of it. And, and it's, it's interesting. It doesn't mean necessarily that we're deeply religious people. Some people are sure of the rules, and they're sure at, at a certain point in time in their life, early 20s often, that there is no such thing as religion, churches for whatever, uh, no way, no how, don't want any of that. There's a certitude there. That's, that's unfortunate, and very religious people, too, can also have a certainty that, it frankly, is a little off-putting. So we're talking about a rational here, and we're talking about a, uh, how these two kind of get along. And I hope I got that across, how, how the ratio starts to work. Now, when you look at how these, these ratios start to come together, we have to understand that, that as these two, you know, sort of are held apart, rational life or spiritual life, if we come at it that we really, really know, like, I have it all figured out, there's clearly going to be problems with that. New Church says those problems are crystal clear, and this is how we phrase them. Where it falls short, this is the, from the book by Emanuel Swedenborg, Secrets of Heaven. And what he believed, and I think he's spot on here, is when, when we really hold that, we end up being morose, intolerant, Judgmental, that Ishmael part. Morose, 
intolerant, judgmental. If you were at New Church Live, I would have you say that out loud with me. Morose, intolerant, and judgmental. We're all too ready to rebuke and punish. And we are the punishers. Now, uh, you know, and again, it's kind of funny. I know for me, when I'm in that, that place, and again, I think we all go back and forth. We all go to that Ishmael place. Probably some of you have gone there already this morning. Uh, you know, I am all too fired up about punishing. I am ready. I know who's in and I know who's out. And I know that the out people deserve punishment. Next one, I'm bending to the needs of others. So, so we're, we're deeply rigid. It was interesting yesterday. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you had some fun stories about what you did during a snow day. My daughter and I watched the last of Lord of the Rings, not Lord of the Rings, uh, Harry Potter, excuse me, Lost the la watched the last of Harry Potter. In Harry Potter, there's, there's this scene where, um, and probably some of you know the characters, I don't, probably some of you kids can tell your parents who these characters are, I don't remember. But it's this man who's really good at sort of wand lore, you know, what these, what these wands that they had. And he, he picks up this wand of this person who's, who's really pretty evil, and he tries to bend and he goes, oh, this is an inflexible wand. Interesting, right? And then he picks up one of somebody who's kind of starting to shift their mindset. He goes, oh, somewhat flexible. Its allegiance is changing. This person's allegiance is changing, changing to what's good. But that idea of, of rigidity and being completely inflexible, that's the Ishmael part of our brain, our firstborn part. Now, again, I want to keep on saying, part's not bad. This is what God is doing in our life. This is the process we go through. So it's just a matter of being like, yeah, I can see that, and I can see in my mind where that has taken place. I can see where I'm struggling with that even today. And the last part here, and I'm sorry, it's, it's cut off here at the bottom, but less pity more, just lean way back here if you can see that word, more piety. Less pity, more piety. So we have a hard time sort of having, having pity on other people. And, and pity is, is, is a, you know, it's sort of an old-fashioned word. But it's, it's really about that lack of compassion. We really struggle with the whole concept of compassion. But we're pretty good at this. Pretty good at the idea of piety. So, hopefully you got some Legos there or some building blocks, or a house of cards, I don't know, whatever you got. And what I want you to do is just click a few of those pieces together. Because I want to use that to talk about piety here. I want to use that to talk about piety. What piety, what piety is, 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 is piety is, is when, when we sort of figure out a way, and oftentimes it's ego-driven, we sort of figure out a structure for how the world works. And, and we can do that spiritually, right? Again, we're talking rational, we're talking how the natural relates to spiritual. It's where we've got it all figured out, and I look at these two and I go, okay, here is the absolute irrefutable system. So I start clicking the Lego blocks together. This is how it is. And, and we can look at that in light ways, too. I mean, I, I, I was thinking this morning just, you know, I really enjoy joined athletics, enjoyed athletics a great deal over the years. And, and you know, for me, like, Somebody was really an athlete if they could swim really fast or play lacrosse or do both because guess what? I did both. <laughs> you know, it's sort of this wacky thing. So if somebody wanted to take me on with an athletic thing, forget golf, forget tennis, let's swim or let's play lacrosse. Why do I do that? Because that's where I know I can win. Kids, there, there's probably some of you out there and you know you are fast as blazes. 
So if you wanted to take Pastor Chuck on, you'd say, hey, let's go race outside. You know, we, we tend to pick those things and create those structures where we know that we are the winners. Nothing wrong with that. Again, you want to have that sense of self. Of course you want to have those things you're good at. Of course, kids, if you're really fast, I hope you race me and I'll let you win because I'm sure you're really fast. You know, and I want you to feel good about that. Your parents want you to feel good about it. We all have those areas where, where we really excel and we want people to notice and that's okay. I think that's part of being loved. Like it's both this going out and this coming back. This, this yep, I'm going to love other people. And yeah, I, I'd, I'd love some appreciation, some recognition for, for the things that I do well. What are my God-given gifts? That's the key phrase, I think, God-given. What are my God-given gifts? Now, we can apply that same thing spiritually. Like, I have my idea. I'm going to use wire ties here. I guess it's called pipe cleaners, right? Uh, you know, to, to sort of give you an example. Let me make sure these are showing up all right. So, you know, I think about in my, in my spiritual life, like kind of three strands that I think are significant. You know, for me, I have a certain way that I pray that really works for me. I also, I read voraciously. I, I read a ton. Um, and then I do certain other things that I think are, are really important to do. You know, we'll, we'll say some of the service things that I, that I really love. And I'll just use an example, Ron McDonald House, for example. So what I do, my spiritual life bends around that. So I twist them, twist these all together. And this goes back to braiding here. <laughs> you know, that's not that I did much of that. Uh, you know, they, they kind of like these, these wind together for me. Now, that's a good thing, right? Like, like I can share with people, like somebody who's struggling, like, how do I pray? And share, well, this is what works for me. Or somebody who's struggling with what to read. You want a long conversation, ask me what you should read. I'll give you a list of books. Um, in service, I'll say all the time, I go to the Ronald McDonald House. These are the three that, that kind of come together for me where I find myself coming to life. To go back to that example, this is part of my formula, my rational mind for how I fit together my natural life and my spiritual life. A good conversation to have over coffee with your partner, with your loved ones, is just what are those for you? You know, simple. But it's a good conversation. The challenge becomes this. What I do is I take these three. And if I'm in an Ishmael rational, we just got a text from Virginia, hello. Uh, you know, if I'm, in, if I'm in my Ishmael rational part, I believe this is not just a answer. This is the only answer. That's piety. Piety is not necessarily a good thing. You know, yes, I want a sense of reverence, but, but pious people, like you think about it, when was the last time somebody said, oh, you got to meet Sally. She is so pious. It, it just, it would not warm my heart to meet somebody that, that their main descriptor was they were so pious. But it would warm my heart to hear these conversations from people about what are the ways that they wrap it together. See, see what a pious person does or what a, what a church that's sort of consumed by that does, it wraps all these up. And then it uses them. I can't do this because I don't have anybody else here. But then what it does is it uses these to fashion handcuffs. So I take these three, I made sort of a braided rope, and then bang, I use it to tie myself. Not always a bad thing, but unfortunately I also use it to tie up other people. 
and use it to tie up other people. That's where the Ishmael rational just, it, it's a firstborn, it's where the journey starts, but it's where the journey kind of can get a little bit off track. I, I imagine you know what I'm talking about there, where, where it can really get to be some challenges. And so we need to learn how to shift that a little bit differently. And this is where that shift starts to take place. This is a beautiful line here by Martin Sheen. Piety is something you do alone. You know, and again, I, like I wrap up in my own mind what works for me. Do alone. True freedom, true, true freedom, spirituality can only be achieved in community. Can only be achieved in community. So community is what starts to do that. It's where we go back to the pyramid versus the network. That Ishmael rational, you know, eventually we get tired of hearing our own selves talk. We get tired of just running in our own way. And, and it's, it's where sort of life in and of itself, like, like life is the great equalizer. When I talk to somebody who's in that place, I, you know, I don't feel like I need to say a whole lot as a pastor because I know what's going to happen is that life, life is actually going to create the challenges that will actually start to break that apart for them. And so that's what happens in this story. Life happens. Ishmael, firstborn, and now we're going to look at what starts to happen next. Now again, we're talking Abraham and Sarah here, this older couple, unable to have children. But they have a surrogate, so at least you know they feel like part of the lineage will get, will get passed. That's not the full lineage of the, of the marriage uh, that would have been important. Again, not, not that important in our culture, but very, very important in this ancient culture. And that's where we pick up this Bible story here. And here you can, if you're in your Bible, you can pick up Genesis 18, verses 1 and 2. And again, this is, a, this is sort of a chopped down version of it. The Lord appeared to Abraham. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. So this is, this is an older gentleman. You sort of have to put ourselves in the picture. This is an older gentleman. He's outside of his tent. He's clearly the patriarch. He's a much older patriarch. He's got immense holdings for that time. He was very wealthy. What he lacked was a, was a child with his, with his wife. Um, and these three men appear. Now, it's interesting here, too, right? Like, with the Bible, it's funny, because sometimes people will, um, you know, who struggle with the Bible will be like, but wait. There's clearly a contradiction. The Lord appeared, three men, like how does that work? The Bible's filled with those things. Folks, that's why we have to read it poetically. You know, I, I, of course we know that, that we're talking about the Lord, and of course then it says, saw three men. The people who wrote this knew that. They knew that. So I think, what just at a very surface level, not even getting into deep poetry here, you know, what this just says is that, of course, the Lord appears, and of course, the Lord is going to appear, God is going to appear through other people. You know, I love the idea that God sends his angels, and many of you have heard me say this, the word angel in Hebrew means messenger. So we start to get this, this sense of this new kind of rational the shift away from Ishmael, where Ishmael starts to sort of go in the back. We start, we're just, he's just starting to get that message. And where we start to get it is through other people. That's what it's talking about on a very, very simple level here. Now, what do those three men go on to say? Well, they say, I will surely return to you this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. 
Now, you have to imagine how startling that would have been. I mean, it, the Bible says so clearly, like, they were beyond childbearing. There's just, there's, there's simply no way that they could hold this as actually being possible. Like, come on. Too old, not going to happen. It's not in their future. They clearly come to terms with it. It wasn't in the cards, and it certainly wasn't in the cards for them. When Sarah is told this, this is what happened. Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself. So Sarah laughed to herself. The first example of laughter. Now here, folks, this idea of laughter, this is not the good kind of laughter. We're going to come back to this again next week. But this is not the good kind of laughter. This is sort of the laughter where you're like, yeah, right. Like that's going to happen. Uh, you know, uh, with the lottery. Somebody comes up to you and goes like, what are you going to do when you win the lottery? Yeah, like that's going to happen. It's, it's sort of a dismissive laughter. Like there, there's no possible way. And it's so uh, absurd. And listen to how we use this phrase. It's so absurd that it's laughable. You've probably used that phrase before too, right? It's laughable. But those things in our mind that we regard as laughable are not possibilities to God. They're, they're just, they're not impossibilities to God. That's just not how God works. Now, you end up with, in the story, you end up with, a, with, a, with some contention over this idea that she laughed. But I want to stick to really drilling into like this laughter and, and, and how that can sort of become like in this way, this portal to a, to a new way of seeing things. Yes, of course, my, my, my ego part, it, it believes all kinds of things are impossible. You know, I imagine so many of you out there right now, you know, maybe you think it's impossible to ever fall in love. Maybe you believe it's impossible to ever overcome an anxiety. Maybe you believe it's impossible for your, relationship, for your relationships to, to really feel love again. Maybe you're dealing with incredible loss and, and you wonder, am I ever going to actually ever feel normal? Ever feel normal? Well, you will. It'll be a new normal. But you'll feel that. That's, that's where that miracle is. See, see, the Ishmael rational, it had it all stacked up. It knew exactly how everything went. And so when everything didn't go that way, it's, it's clear. It's the end of life as we know it. But is it? But is it? Or is something new, you know, some, some new kind of miracle being born where, where we're actually in the process, please listen carefully, please, please, please. We're actually in the process of being decentered so that we can be recentered. Decentered out of the Ishmael rational so we can be recentered into something else, some, some new birth that we can't quite imagine but that actually can really start to move in our lives. You know, New Church puts it this way. Uh, what was her laughter about? Well, her laughter was about, here's about heavenly joy. It's a part of us that hears about heavenly joy, but can't comprehend it. Can't comprehend it. Can't even imagine it. So what do we do? We scoff. We regard it as laughable. From that place, though, there, there really is a breakthrough that's possible. It's, it's easy so much to, to look at the Bible and look at it. Again, our Ishmael rational will look at that and goes like, she should not have laughed. Bad call. She should be punished. 
not really. Like, this is what we do. We, we look at the Bible. The Bible's not a list of what we need to do. The Bible's actually a list of what God is doing. So, so our job, yes, there are yeses and nos. There's things, there's obviously accountability here. But, but it really, from, from new churches, is how God is moving our last word. It's this beautiful portrait of how God is pulling us through this existence. That's, this is part of it, where we just go through simple disbelief that anything good can actually happen. Now, I want to give you a story about that. And it, it's, I would show you on video here, but you know, with, with the tech stuff being as rudimentary as it is, we, we can't do it. Um, but, it, but it's a great video, and it's a simple video done by a high school student out in Chicago. And the video was this. Says this high school student out in Chicago, she got a camera, and she went around to her high school. And she, she told people, she, she got them on film, and then she used this line, my project is videoing things I think are beautiful and I think you are beautiful. Real simple. So she put it in this kid's face, and this kid's face, this kid's face, and, and it's, it's like, it was a miracle. Watching when the kids heard those words, like here's somebody, project is to film things that are beautiful, and here's this person saying, I've picked you. Because here's the crazy part, it's not written there with Sarah. It, with, with Sarah, when those men came and they said, you're going to have a child. With Abraham, when those men came and said, you're going to have a child, you're going to have a son, something new is going to be born. I'm sure there was that scoffing laughter, like, yeah, right. But I guarantee there was that part underneath that was like, oh, Lord, maybe it's true. You know, that, that part of you that's just underneath the surface, just underneath that sort of scoffing laugh that's like, that might be true. I might find love again. I might find joy again. I might find meaning again. I might find purpose again. I might win the lottery. That part of us that just starts to open up to, to, a, to, to an incredible birth in our lives. Just starting to open up. And again, babies begin real small. Just opening up to that little bit of promise. Before I show you the pictures, I want to want to get it, get offered to you this way. So I'm a big fan of, of Pope Francis. I think the man is doing some amazing things out there in the world. And I was reading, you know, I've read a number of, of books that he's written. And, and one of the things he said is he said, people, you know, come to me all the time with like, oh, Father, I wish I had your faith. You know, uh, sort of like somebody coming to a pastor, to any kind of clergy member, going, looking at them and saying, oh, you, you have the perfect faith. I wish I had that. And it was interesting hearing his response, you know, what he said. He didn't launch into, and he was talking to other priests, he didn't launch into, well, when somebody comes to you with a crisis of faith, you know, you tell them this, 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 you tell them this. You, you didn't go through this long sort of diatribe of like, here's all the things you need to tell them. In other words, here's the information you need to download on them, which is something I'd be prone to do, by the way. Here's all the inform information, information. This is what he said to people who are struggling with faith. Probably some of you out there are struggling a lot with it. This is what he said. He said, I tell them, just let God look at you. Just let God look at you. For a minute. That was his inroad to having faith. Just let God look at you. And he would have said that with a smile. And I think he would have laughed. I mean, that's beautiful, right? Like where we can just like, I'm just going to let God look at me for a minute. And you think about Abraham and Sarah here. 
doesn't show up in the text, but I imagine that underneath the text, there's a part that's like God is just looking at me right now. As a pastor, I, I find that a lot where, you know, I'll talk to people who are struggling and one of the things I, I try to offer to people in, in very ham-fisted ways is just, do you know God loves you? Like, really loves you. Usually it takes, my experience, usually it takes saying that two or three times until, until they finally, like, oh, you know, oftentimes you know that they get it because they cry. We really let that in, we start to cry. I want to show you some of the pictures here that were from the video. We can't show the video, unfortunately, but, but I just I grabbed some screen captures just to show you the impact that this teenage girl's worked at. And I, and I think it's the same impact God has when we get that God's looking at us. Take a look at this. This is a before she sets the camera up. And that's after she says, I'm photographing things that are beautiful. And look at this girl. Talk about attitude. I used to be a teacher. <laughs> That's your girl with some attitude. And you look at that, and now look what happens to her face. Wildly different, right? Beautiful. Actually, incredibly beautiful. That shift, that beautiful, amazing shift that takes place. See, see, imagine, imagine folks, like I, I think the Ishmael Rational versus where we're going here. The Ishmael Rational doesn't let God see it. You know, it, 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 all it's interested in is not being seen by a camera, per se. All it's interested is just continually looking in the mirror. Like that piety, self-oriented, sort of closed down, closed in, just looking itself. And you imagine with these kids, right? Like, like with, these, with these students, I'll flip back to it again. What if you had just given this guy and said, here, look, in, look at yourself in the mirror? Probably would not have gotten that reaction. What if you'd done the same to here? Here, just look in this mirror. That's what I need you to do probably would have not, not gotten that reaction. But, but when we can see that coming from the other side, again, three men coming to the tent, that idea of network, that idea of community, that idea of, the idea of moving away from, from piety, we can sort of can look at each other that way. When Sarah and Abraham could be looked at that way, that is what makes something possible, something new, something different. I wanted to, as we, as we wrap up here, to take a look at, at this beautiful painting here. And again, I, I realize like it's, it's probably really hard to see on, on a camera. But it's a beautiful, beautiful painting that a, that a dear friend gave to me. Uh, it's not it shared it with me. I don't actually have the physical painting. But of, but of an old, old cathedral. There was a phrase, and of course I, I forget what the phrase is, but there's, a, there's sort of a phrase out there about beautiful ruins of things. You know, where, where we leave things in kind of disrepair, but there's a there's a huge beauty in that at the same time. I, I, I think so much of our lives is this way, right? Like, like we can see our life and, and, and we may tend to focus in right down here, right on sort of the mess of it and the scaffolding and the, yeah, you know, this is the part that really doesn't work. But, but I think there's a, there's a glory in seeing the whole thing. You know, Sarah and Abraham focused just on they were too old to have a kid. And yet God's looking at a much bigger picture. Much bigger sense of promise and beauty. In these lives that, that looked sort of shut down, but that, but that he's seeking to kind of bring to life and to allow something new to grow. 
And that Ishmael rational, yeah, it's a clunky phase, but it's a necessary phase. As we start to go through this renovation, renovation project that is our lives. As we do that, folks, don't forget how significant community is with all of this. It's easy to sort of think, okay, well, Chuck's saying here's the Ishmael part. Something new gets to be born. I'm going to take that on as my next project. If you hold it that way, you're coming from the Ishmael rational. Uh, Einstein said very beautifully, no problem can be solved by the level of consciousness that created it. There's a time where we have Ishmael, kind of our loyal soldier. And we need to be able to kind of say, good job. Good job. You're dismissed. Not in a mean way. It's just time for Ishmael to go home. Time for him to demobilize. Time for something to shift so that something else can grow. And that shift is in community. It's why church is beyond important. And I, you know, I'm always so careful saying it because I never want anybody feeling guilty to show up to church, not show up to church. That's a whole Ishmael rational thing, you know, gets back to, uh, you know, it's not what I'm talking about. Like, like showing up in church is showing up in community. And that's what it is. It's, it's where we start to establish those paths, those well-trodden paths between house to house. Now, now, all kinds of people show up in church in all kinds of different ways, all kinds of different callings, all kinds of different ways the formula goes together. And church can be a wonderful part of that. Uh, community can be a wonderful part of that. I, I, I see it in all kinds of little groups. So I, so I don't want to be prescriptive. Where I want to be prescriptive is, is just to say, hey, you know what? Find that piece. You know, allow that piece to start to move you out of that Ishmael part into something that's a little bit different. You know, and it, it, it just, it's, it's an allowing the community to kind of draw you forward. If that makes sense, you know, here I am, and the community kind of will draw me forward into something new, into a new way of seeing things. I don't need to hold the Ishmael part with guilt or like, oh my goodness, blah, blah. you know, it's just, it's just about like allowing you to put forward. Look, folks, that, that, that part, we all make mistakes. I, you know, I was telling a dear friend earlier this week, like one of the things that's so hard as a pastor is I'm constantly saying stupid things to people that, that hurt their feelings. And I feel bad about that. I'm sure many of you can resonate with that. And, you know, and, and yet, you know, that, that, that makes, at times, makes us all want to sort of pull back. But really, we have to allow community to keep on pulling us out, to keep on pulling us out. To keep on moving us forward. This is how Richard Rohr put it. I love this line. We need faith communities. And this is a huge variety of faith communities here. We need faith communities. Otherwise, we will get trapped in individualism and private superiority. Here you could say the Ishmael mindset. Trapped in, individual, in individualism and private superiority. That's all the Ishmael mind. Without any real testing laboratory in the ways of faith, hope, and practical love. Faith, hope, and practical love. Those of you who were, who were with us last week, wasn't that beautiful? You know, Martin Luther King, and then on, on Monday we had an incredible experience down at, at Rock to the Future. The, the highlight was sitting around and having pizza with these folks after we worked, and just this beautiful sharing. It was really this, this testing laboratory, and it's not testing as in like, um, we're going to test to see whether you measure up. God, God's not really that interested in that, frankly. Uh, it's, it's a different kind of testing. It's like, oh, look at what we can create. 
you know, in the ways of faith, hope, and practical love. That's that secondborn. That's the son that we're going to look at next week called Isaac. And what happens here? What happens here is this. A mystery of participation and never of private ownership. We start to see, as we start to see life as this great mystery of participation. This great mystery of participation where we connect and, and we're allowing community to draw us forward and getting, we don't have all the answers, but boy, I got some good questions. Let's start putting those out there. Let's start allowing community to move us forward. That's where something new will start to be born and getting me out of my rigidity, getting me out of my piety. Isn't that crazy to say? Getting me out of my piety. And it's a mystery. I don't, I don't get how all that works. I don't get how last week, you know, we go down to Kensington, we're eating pizza, and I'm thinking life isn't, can't get any better. I don't know how that works. I don't know why that works. I just know this. I just know that it works. I just know that it works. And what do I know there as well? When I live in that part, I can really understand what's unimaginable and improbable. And I let God to start to work on that with me. That, that what's unimaginable and probable in my mind certainly isn't in God's. And, and, and the, the impossible really, we're talking God here. Impossible is not impossible. That what I find is I find life anew. And I find this. I can laugh again. I can laugh again. I can have a lightness of spirit. That that part of me that sort of scoffs and finds things laughable is now able to laugh with God. Even laughing back at my silly belief that this is impossible, this is, that's impossible, this will never happen, that will never happen. God just smiles and I think he says, Behold, behold, I make all things. Make all things new. Make all things new. So that's what to think about this week. Think about making all things new. Think about allowing community to start to maybe pull you forward just a little bit, just in some miraculous way. Start to identify the Ishmael rational. Start to identify that part of you that really believes that there is this one set of rules, and if you disobey any of them, done, game over. You know, that Ishmael rational, and, and, and start to see just when it shows up. Don't worry about fighting it. Just be like, yeah, there it is. I noticed it showed up there, and there it showed up again. That's okay. Just observe it and allow community to pull you forward. So I want to thank you again for joining us here at New Church Live today. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to offer a prayer, give you a moment just for saying your own prayer, have a moment of quiet reflection. I'm going to be ultra high tech here and just and just uh, press play on my Pandora. <laughs> just we'll have, we'll have a moment of music and then we'll just turn the service off. So thank you for joining us. Please join me in prayer. So Lord, thank you for the opportunity we had to meet today. And Lord, uh, thank you, and this may sound strange, Lord, but thank you for the opportunity just to be simply able to meet online, to connect well-trodden paths, house to house, across the world. And Lord, allow us to find in our heart that place where your messages can start to stir. Where we can see, Lord, that, that beautiful Ishmael part of us, that part that helps us to move forward. And Lord, allow that movement to continue. 
to continue through community, to continue through the wonderful connections we share with each other, to continue, Lord, in such a way that we learn this, that we learn deeply how to laugh again. In your name, we pray. Amen. Take care. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.